Welcome to the latest edition of the OmniTalk Spotlight Series, the series that highlights the people, the companies, and the technologies that are shaping the future of retail. I'm your host, Chris Walton. And I'm Ann Mazinga. And today we are turning our attention to a subject that likely isn't talked about near enough at retail executive cocktail parties. And I'm talking about the untold risks, Ann, yes. of last mile fulfillment. So joining us today to share her considerable expertise on this subject is Open Forces CEO, Wendy Greenland. Wendy is a seasoned technology leader driving innovation in modern labor markets. She has expertise in technology leadership and transportation. She bridges the gap between companies and independent contractors, positioning Open Force as a front runner in the technology labor landscape. So get ready to be inspired with her insights on technology, independent contractors, and the future of retail delivery. Welcome, Wendy, to the show. Thank you, Chris. It's very nice to be here. I appreciate the time. Quite the intro, Wendy. My goodness. <laughs> I know, that's, that's the most I've ever I done. I don't know how to measure great. up to all of that, but I'll try. But, yeah. I know, it's a tough one to live up to, but I'm um, pretty excited about this show. Yeah, Wendy, I don't know. I mean, Chris kind of gave you the like red carpet of introductions, I but I would like to know from your perspective a little bit about your background. Um, if you can just help the audience get to know a little bit more about you to start the conversation off. Absolutely. Um, happy to do that. So um Wendy Greenland, CEO of OpenForce. I, I started my career years ago in technology. I was a technology trainer early in my career with Sprint. And yeah. Um, we started working on CDMA, old technology that'll that'll age me a little, um, and um, moved into telecommunications and spent a lot of time in telecommunications. And then in 2014, I really wanted to move over to the software side of technology. And um, I had owned a business for 12 years. I, I um, finally exited, very successfully exited that business. And then I had to make a decision on what I wanted to do next. And I started on with a company called Infinity HR. It was an HRIS and payroll um, integrator uh, and um, more on the W2 side of, of um, the human capital management market and worked there for about four years. And when that was acquired by um, Providence Equity, we we um, rebranded into a company named Arcoro and, and that was in 2018. In 2019, I started looking for a new opportunity and Riverside Partners, um, where private equity owned, reached out to me for a COO position at OpenForce. And I loved the concept because I had been on the W-2 side of software, payroll, all the things that we do, but this is on the 1099 side. And it's very specifically 1099 risk mitigation compliance um, insurance and payments for, for 1099 contractors. And I loved the concept because they're entrepreneurial and they're all trying to start a small business. And so I could leverage my technology and software skills in, in W2 and turn around and really start to, to hone in on, on the 1099 market, which is a niche market within the human capital management um, uh, industry. And so I started on with them in 2000. Uh, 19 as COO and in, then right in the middle of the pandemic, <laughs> I was promoted to an appointed CEO of Open Force in, in mid-2020. Wendy, I'm curious, like just before we get into yeah, I know. Force, I think you I have, ask what I have I was some ask. questions yeah. like what to you, especially in the last three years, like what is the audience listening, not thinking about when you take into account the complexities of being in the situation of 1099 and W2 employees, like it, there's so much to it that 
I feel like what, what are we missing? Like, what's the big thing that people should be paying more attention to that maybe they aren't? Well, that is the question of the century, really, because, um, you know, the the 1099 worker, the the entrepreneur, the freelancer, the contingent worker is growing exponentially. And by 2027, we're looking at more than 50 percent of the workforce will be um, independent work will be freelance or contingent. So it's more than 65 million, million ICs or independent contractors in this country doing all sorts of work, professional and freelance and, and other things. So 65 million people out there doing this work. Um, what happened during the last three years in the pandemic is that e-commerce last mile delivery, first and last mile delivery, all just grew exponentially through the pandemic. Suddenly your laggards who were, I'm not ordering groceries yeah. on, on an app and having it delivered. That's crazy. I go to the grocery store and I get my toilet paper. Well, when you couldn't get it, you had to have it delivered. And suddenly everybody was now, oh, this is easier. Oh, I don't mind paying a delivery right. fee. I love this. This goes right to my house. And so you end up having this, having we, during the last few years, we had this demand for more drivers and more drivers in the e-commerce space. And of course, then you have um, workers who are, who are kind of sitting up and saying, oh, I want the flexibility. Mm -hmm. I want a higher earning, but I can be my own boss. This is great. Right. Um, I don't have benefits, but maybe I could figure out a way around that. And how do I get paid? And how do I, do, what do I need to do? And, you know, a few clicks on an app on their phone and they're off and running, delivering, and they think it's going to be fantastic. They're going to be delivering. Um, many of the retailers are using 3PL, um, third-party logistics companies, and those companies are very often using independent contract workforces. So if those independent contractors, and here's really the crux of the problem, mm -hmm. don't understand what it truly means to be a small business and to have the insurances they need in place and to, to make sure that they're covering those expenses properly, they're filing their taxes properly, now all of a sudden you've got you've got challenges and those challenges can lead to all sorts of problems, including something called misclassification. Oh, and I don't know if you want to really dig into that. Yeah, no, please. I mean, yeah. Sorry. I, 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 this is yeah, exciting. And opened I'm up Pandora's box here. Yeah. Left. Let me explain a little bit more about misclassification. So when you're, when you're a W2 employee, you there the employer that you work for can provide both direction and control they can ask you they can tell you when you have to be somewhere they can tell you to wear a shirt um they can um, tell you when to have something to delivered and in in addition to that you end up with benefits you end up with you know the medical dental and whatever the state requires for the benefits needed in order to be a w-2 employee right and there's really only two classifications of workers w-2 or 1099 and, and 1099 has its own set of requirements. And based on um, the legislative landscape of this country, part of it depends on which state you reside in, right. uh, but each state has its own classification test that determines whether or not that worker should be classified as an independent worker or a W-2 worker. And if you fail the test, then you have to pay back taxes on that independent mm -hmm. worker. Mm -hmm. And if you fail the test, then you have officially misclassified that worker as a, a 1099 when they should have been classified as a W-2 employee. So that right there is the crux of the problem. Because if that worker is not treated like an independent worker properly, then all of the good intentions 
that that went into that initial contract and relationship go out the window because you've got an auditor or the IRS or you've got the state, federal and local agencies coming in and saying, nope, that should have been a, a, a W-2 employee. You owe benefits, you owe back taxes. And if you have a large workforce, if you have, let's say, it's not a big deal if it's one or two, but if you have a hundred independent contractors yeah. or 500 independent contractors, right. and now you have to pay, let's say a thousand independent contractors back taxes. Um, now you're talking about multi-million dollar legislative battles that are going on, uh, legal battles that are going on across the nation. Right. So, and that's exactly why I was so, that's why we were so intrigued to talk to you too, yeah. because I mean, you know, the pandemic's one thing, but you know, e-commerce has been growing by leaps and bounds forever. And so the net net of what you're saying to us is really like, you know, you've got more people wanting to be a part of this workforce because of the flexibility, because of the income potential that it provides a certain pop part of the population too. But like what, what I'm taking away from you is that yeah, that's great, but it's adding a ton of complexity and burden to the businesses that are supplying that workforce and the retailers that are contracting with that workforce as well. So I love to hear now, like, what are some of the risks that come with those complexities? And and what is it that you do at, at, at OpenForce that, to help, you know, help retailers and others solve those issues? So it, in the life cycle of an, an independent worker, um, there's a number of things that go on that that need to be um, properly vetted, properly um, uh, determined whether or not this worker is ready to work, um, whether they are compliant, whether they have a clean background check and a drug screen, a motor vehicle record. Um, do they have the proper insurance? These are all uh, vetting pieces that go on in the um, relationship with that independent contractor. And then finally, you get to a point where you get them on the road, they're out driving for, for your business, and then you pay them. And as you pay them, there are other things that begin to pop up, like they want medical benefits or they want um, cash advance. <laughs> so they right. fuel in their vehicle. So you have all of these pieces that are going on in this, in this relationship. And um, what we do is we work with any company that works with 1099 workers and we determine what are the contract requirements and the contract requirements are usually set by an agreement between them and a retailer. Mm -hmm. So the okay. retailer will help determine what the contract requirements are. And then we take those contract requirements and then open for steps in and separates out direction and control. And, and that way we're the ones saying to the independent worker, all right, in order to meet the terms of this contract, you have to have a motor vehicle record, a background check, a drug screen. It needs to be this kind of drug screen. If you're delivering labs, you have to have a bloodborne pathogen certification. You have to have a HIPAA certification. These are the things wow. you have to have, right? In order to deliver this for this contract. And as they go through, we offer all of those pieces in the workflow. And because they're independent workers and they're independent businesses, we say, do you have it? Just upload it and we'll keep it in your document vault. So it's we have clean compliance, right? Hmm. If you don't, that's where we come in and say, okay, well, here's some insurances that you need. So for this particular um, contract, you need to have occupational accident insurance, which we should have a conversation about that. That's critically important in this because okay. that is the work comp equivalent to a, a W-2 worker. But if you right. upload it, if you don't, here's some options for you. And so we work with a lot of insurance partners to get them what they need. And then and once they get on the road, then we pay them. And Wendy, does that 
is that for the associate then? Like say I'm a 1099 worker and I work for DoorDash and I work for Uber. Are you carrying that information then that saved content for me so that when I'm registering as a provider for each of these services, I can pass that along? Or is that is it not to that level yet? So it, it can be used that way, yes. Okay. Um, one of the things that is a challenge in this particular industry is that is the insurance providers want to see who they're connected with before they'll determine whether they want to because they, mm. they have lost run safety there are a number of things that the insurance providers want to see so the insurance does get a little bit complicated um, but we can we can allow them to especially within our ecosystem right. then it's much easier they can pop around and and do work for multiple companies this seems so factorially complex. Like, yes. I, I like the factorial nature of this is insane to me. Well, and even like the state by state stuff too. Like I know we just had a change in, in Minnesota to our law as it pertains to 1099 and W2 employees like yesterday. So Wendy, I imagine like you're keeping track of that on the retailer or company's behalf then as well to make sure that it's right. updated. Yes. Yes, absolutely. We keep track of... DOT, motor carrier authority, um, you know, any any requirements that the retailer may have for them, whether it's compliance, whether it's um, authorities, you know, motor carrier authority, um, all of those pieces and then the insurances are all in the document vault. And so the retailer would then know with with a surety that those drivers are compliant. And then right. our system is constantly updating and sending out expiration notices. For example, if something gets expired, hey, right. you're getting ready to expire. Your driver's license is expiring. Right. Um, those kinds of things. We, we which it's impossible that. to manage that. Yeah, no, like I, on top of every, I mean, you don't even have the resources as a retailer, I imagine, to stay on top of things like this. Like, no, this gets ins it gets insane pretty quickly. The other part too, Wendy, that I want to ask you because I think it 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 probably also gets a little bit scary too. I mean, you kind of alluded to some of the issues a few minutes ago, but like some of the issues that that the retailers and the delivery companies face if they don't handle it in this manner get pretty real pretty quickly and i don't yes. want to scare the audience but i think it's important that we talk about what those are too so so what are some of those things when this goes awry when this goes awry um doordash just got a hundred million dollar uh judgment um instacart got a 46 million dollar settlement oh in with the city of san diego um, we had like a one city. Wow. retailer, just a parts store here in Arizona, $5.6 million uh, settlement. So these are some pretty big dollars that are going around. But beyond that, you're also talking about risk related to um, like nuclear verdicts. So in insurance, what's a nuclear verdict? Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, you got to break that yeah. one down for me, Wendy. So insurance, if there's a, um, and I'll, I'll give you an example without using names, people probably can look it up. But um, when you're when you're driving a box truck, for example, right, and and you've ordered a, a, ref, a refrigerator or a couch or what have you, mm -hmm. that box truck drives up to your home and they're getting ready to move that and they're going to cross the threshold into your home. Mm -hmm. um, that requires a level of of um, compliance, making sure that there's a drug screen and a you know, clean driving record. And, and once they go into the home, a level of insurance to cover if they 
if they damage something, like they're hooking up a dishwasher and, and they, they miss something because maybe they're doing the assembly or the installation right. as well. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden they've, they've flooded your home and did they have the right general liability insurance? Um, do they have the cargo insurance in case there's an accident on the way? Do they have commercial auto insurance? And what, and this is the riskier part. What happens if they invited their friend onto the truck for the day to help them deliver that refrigerator and they don't have, and the retailer doesn't even know who that person is right. and the friend isn't compliant. The friend who's helping them for the day, they brought them onto the truck. No background check, no drug screen, yeah. no MBR. That and happened I'll to me. Really? Yeah. Remember with Comcast, I had like a, there was a guy who just like brought his friend in to do the install because he was oh, working man. with them that day. I mean, wow. it sounds crazy, but it, what, when he's talking about has happened. Yeah. It, happened. it gives me a whole nother perspective on like, who am I contracting to bring into my house too? Yes. And how much insurance do they have? And how do I validate that too? But that's a whole nother story, Wendy. Yeah. But no, sorry. Keep going. No. And there, well, there was a situation in Florida where a contractor it had a box truck. They brought somebody in. They didn't have the, the neither the th third party logistics company or the retailer had visibility into who that sub was. They, we call them subcontractors, mm -hmm. who that subcontractor was. And um, he killed the homeowner. The subcontractor did. And, and the because he just he just invited he didn't even know who he was. He just invited him to help him for the day. And he was trying to figure out what the problem was with the delivery he was on with his dispatcher. And he and and the subcontractor, meanwhile, was in the house and he killed the sub. So that you, you, so talk about fear. These are the right. types of things that are going on that without visibility into these um, contractors and subcontractors and making sure they're compliant, especially when they're supposed to be independent. Right. They're supposed to be a small business right. and we want to keep we want to give them that entrepreneurial um, opportunity, but they also don't always understand that there are legal and, and insurance requirements and compliance requirements. So that's where open force kind of steps in. And we say, okay, if you want to do this, here are the requirements. We have it set up in the system. And then we keep all of that data so that we know what's expiring. We know what's there and, right. and make sure they have the insurances they need. Oh so man. Well, if, if the retailers and brands listening to this, don't, they don't take something away from what Wendy just described. Like, you got to get, you got to yeah. get this in order. Yeah. This is the first time I think murder's ever been discussed I know. on this podcast. I know, actually. but so it's, it's serious. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> it's serious. No, Not don't to make sorry. light of it at all. No, actually. don't be sorry. I think it's important for everybody to understand just the magnitude of which we're talking right now. Um, Wendy, prevention is obviously a significant part of this discussion, um, but what other benefits are there from retailers to engaging with a platform like Open Forest? So prevention is key for yes. sure. And if, if I were a retailer listening today, what I would be thinking is how do I make sure that my that the, the companies I'm using to deliver the goods for, for 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 my business are compliant? I would make sure that they're using a company like Open Force, a third party that gives visibility to all of those things. If that becomes a gold standard and they say this is because I don't I don't want that to happen to me. So you have to use a company like this. Here are some options for you. But but if 
if the third party logistics company is trying to do this all in house in order to save money, because, you know, honestly, margins are very tight, right. They're trying to do more with less, you know, the, the inflationary pressures that everybody's feeling, there's been a, a been a, there's been a bit of a flattening in deliveries in the first quarter of this year. So people are trying to do so much more with less. Well, that puts the retailers at even more risk. Right. Because then they're they're cutting corners and where they cut corners oftentimes is in insurance and making sure that they have the right um, compliance items. So where Open Force steps in is to say any of your three PLs that work with us, we will make sure that they have those items and the risk begins to drop because there's visibility, at least into all of these players and, and even the subcontractors, the insurances we provide really drive adoption of these um, insurances. So these master contractors that work with these subs that I'm talking about are motivated and happy to, to give visibility to them because it saves them money. Yeah, it makes sense too. And the retailers listening too, the retailers also have the power to help drive this adoption across yes. the delivery network so that the end consumer ultimately is the one that's protected from the things that we're talking Absolutely. about, which is an important part. So to that point, Wendy, I'm curious, like, what does an implementation look like on the retailer side? Like how, how easy is it? What, what's all involved there? So the retailer has a contract usually, not always, but usually with some sort of third-party logistics company that is actually working with the independent contractors. So simply the retailer could say, if you are going to be working with us, okay. you must use <laughs> That's this that platform. easy, huh? And we'll take care of the rest with the con with the third party logistics companies that are actually doing the deliveries. It's so interesting to me too, because I remember Chris, like early yeah. on, especially during the pandemic, when we saw a lot of retailers fluctuating like back and forth between taking third party internal or like deliveries internally mm. versus working with third party. And now it's so, I mean, this has been such an eye-opening conversation to just how much complexity is involved with managing those employees to be doing this. And it just seems it seems almost impossible to me. Well, no, one thing that I always, everyone always says about the industry, it's a very local level industry, yes. right? It's the wild, yeah. wild west out there. I mean, I got things thinking about Walmart doing in-home deliveries to the yeah, fridge and stuff like right. that. Like that starts to come into play here. There's all these new aspects coming out of everything over the last three or four years, which gets me to my last question, Wendy, that I want to ask you too, is there's been a lot of talk around EVs particularly as well, electrical electric vehicle adoption. I'm going to be talking about this at Home Delivery World as well with a panel of people. I'm, I'm curious, how does that focus on the continued evolution or the adoption of electric vehicles, how does that complicate things? It, does it add any complexities to this whole discussion or is that a whole, uh, am I thinking about too much about that? No, it, it adds a lot of complexity. So um, if you're a retailer and you're using a third-party logistics company, now you as the retailer have a three-pronged plan for sustainability that you have to deliver to the federal government. Then these retailers are working with the third-party logistics company. They're working with independent contractors who are independent businesses. They cannot mm -hmm. tell them what to do. They cannot tell them they have to get an EV vehicle because they're more expensive. Mm -hmm. They can tell them it has to be delivered to this location by this time, can you meet the terms of the contract? Yes or no. That is all they can say. They cannot say how to do it. They cannot say you have to use an EV vehicle. They cannot say um, you need to, to have three people on the truck with you. They, they can only say this by this time, yes or no, can you meet the terms? Otherwise it starts to look employee-like. 
right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because now they're telling them what to do. And that now the, the lines get blurred and they end up with a misclass lawsuit or claim. So with EV vehicles, the only way to do that is, is through something like Open Force. And we do have a program right now. Actually, I'm um, come to our session because uh, we're doing a, a co-branded session with Fluid Trucks at Home Delivery World on this. So, mm. so on our benefits portal, where we're working directly with the independent contractor, small business, you need a leasing program, we have options for you. You need medical insurance or dental insurance, we have options for you. Well, one of them is a leasing program through Fluid Trucks. And on that program, if they choose an EV vehicle, we have a retailer that's working with us to give them a code for, for um, uh, some sort of subsidy so that they can they can take advantage of this sustainability program from the retailer's perspective. Right. And it comes through open force. So it's between us, the retailer and fluid trucks on the benefits portal, the 3PL who's at risk of misclassification, if they make them do it or talk to them about it, they don't get involved at all. It just goes straight through us. They can get on our portal. They can select a truck. It can be an EV vehicle, but because they're an independent business, this is a choice that they're making and we're motivating them with the subsidy from the retailer. Well, Wendy, how does that work then with like Target, Walmart, these retailers who have a zero carbon footprint plan by 2040? Like, how does that work then if you can't say your third-party drivers have to drive EV vehicles? Because I imagine that they're going to have, that's going to have to happen at some point in time. Like, how do you see that changing? Without legislation, um, the the, the direction the the states, especially um, some of the more litigious states are going is to drive more misclassification, which puts them more at risk for doing that. So so the only way to do that is to come up with other ways to meet the sustainability requirements, which some of them are trying to do that as an organization. But if they want the independent contractors to do that, then you have to do it through a third party. There's there's no way that that independent contractor needs to be incentivized in another way to pick that up and want to do that. Yes. If if I'm barely making it and I can even put fuel in my vehicle between now and Friday, you want me to go ahead and buy an EV vehicle that they're just not going to do it without an incentive. And so that's what this program we're rolling out at home delivery world is, is really addressing. Really interesting. That's the second time in two days, fluid trucks came up in the conversation around this topic too. So it makes me think differently about that business model as well. Well, Wendy, let's wrap things up here. I'm curious, you know, we talked about EV and how that's going to impact this, um, this industry, but what else are you excited about as CEO and what are your kind of priorities to close out the year here at Open Force? So we are doing a lot of work um, on, on really promoting and changing the way our benefits for independent contractors <clears throat> are rolling out, what we're offering, the insurances that we're offering. We have a number of new partners we're working with. The more the insurance partners start to this conversation, the yeah. more they start to go, wait, what do you do? Oh, we want to get involved because the insurance partners, they just want to sell insurance, but they don't want the risk of the compliance issues we just talked about. Mm -hmm. So how do I sell insurance to a population of people without putting the, the, the delivery company at risk of misclassification and without myself getting pulled into one of those crazy lawsuits or nuclear verdicts that we've been talking about? So a lot of them are now 
pulling in and starting to say, how do we work with open force? So we have a partner centric model for insurances. So we're offer, we're trying to offer more and more options for insurances. We have a, a really cool new Wallander dispatch commercial auto program for um, sprinter vans and, via, and, and cars. Um, which rides over a personal auto. So now you have an Instacart driver or a um, you know a food delivery driver that can get actual commercial auto, but they don't have the big down payments. So our my excitement right now is really around um, the partner and the insurances that we're offering and how we're facilitating those. And then the benefits that we're offering up between those two things, I think those are the key strategic initiatives that we have. The more we can help an independent contractor be an independent business successfully, provide them with the cash. I mean, mm -hmm. if you own a business, what do you need, right? You need cash, you need yep. insurance, and you kind of need help just getting started and understanding right. the tax implications and the contractual right. implications of that business. So we're doing a lot of work on the benefits side of what we do for our independent contract workforces to help them really with a small business toolkit that will make um, a difference for them long-term. Wow, that was great. I mean, I, you I, you said in the beginning that you're kind of an HR walk from your background and man, it comes out th through and through it, through <laughs> listening to you talk about this podcast and how you think about all this. So it was great, but I want to let people know too, for our loyal listeners that if you happen to be at Home Delivery World, yes, Wendy and I are actually going to be sitting down and we're going to try to have this conversation again, but even more in depth across 40 minutes. We're also going to do Q&A where I imagine I'm just going to ask Wendy a few questions and then sit back and then the, yes. just open the floor to all the Q&A that's going to happen because I imagine she's going to get a lot of great questions. But but until then, and for those people that aren't going to be able to join us at the show, Wendy, uh, if people want to learn more, get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, first of all, Home Delivery World's a great way to do that. We'll be at booth 834. So come by, see Open Force. I will be there off and on. You and I are having our sit down. Um, we're also doing the presentation with Fluid Trucks that I mentioned there. And then my email address, uh, wendy.greenland at oforce.com. And just go to oforce.com and you'll see um, that's our website. You'll see everything you need to know about what we're working on and, and the insurance I talked about and all of the other compliance related things that we're doing for independent contract workforces. And we're excited about what we're doing and thrilled to, to meet you in person. Yeah, ditto. I, we are too. Yeah, that's where we're I'm scared. If I, I, I know we go up against each other at some point. I know, right? At Home Delivery World, Chris, and I think that you're going to win based on Wendy, the conversation. Wendy's going to be tough to beat. My yeah. panel beats your panel, yes. and <laughs> better than your panel. No All right. Well, thanks, Wendy, so much. That wraps us up. Thanks to Wendy Greenland of Open Force for sitting down with us today, and thanks to all of you for listening. As always. And on behalf of all of us here at Omni Talk, we can never say it enough, especially in light of this podcast. Be careful out there. <laughs>